0: Welcome to Midweek Motivation on Wove Inspiration, the extra push you need to keep moving forward. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to Wove Inspiration's Midweek Motivation. I am your host, Althea Richardson, and today I am interviewing multi-award-winning author of the book, The Other Side of Bipolar. Her name is Lauren Polly. Lauren Polly knows firsthand how mental health diagnosis can also mean a life of labels, stigma, and limitation. After exploring alternative modalities along with traditional treatment, she discovered the importance of treating the whole person—mind, body, and soul. She also discovered that she is gifted in empath, which um, who is keenly aware of others and her environment. And her entire life changed when she reclaimed those gifts beyond her diagnosis. So, Lauren, thank you so much for being on the show today.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm excited to see where we'll chit-chat about.
0: All right, all right. So, Lauren, tell us a little bit more about yourself.
1: So, I guess my biggest um, kind of claim to fame would be my book, which is The Other Side of Bipolar, as you mentioned. Um, mm-hmm. I really wrote the book for a couple of different reasons. Okay. Uh, when to be able just to express myself. I think it's so important for all of us who have a story to tell to be able to Express it uh, in an authentic and kind of open way. Um, I really wanted to give hope to people who were either handling a diagnosis or a mental health issue or was a part of a family who's struggling with it because it's always not just the individual. It's the whole family unit that uh, kind of goes along for the journey. Uh, And then being able to really open up the doors to the people who treat mental illness to these other kind of other not really talked about qualities where people are very sensitive, keenly aware, empathic to other people and how that sensitivity can really look like mental illness where on the flip side, if you actually developed it and treated the whole person, can actually turn into incredible gifts that they could utilize in their life. Mm -hmm,
0: mm -hmm. So how did uh, self-care impact your mental
1: wellness? Uh, self care was the uh, i think the the biggest 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 thing for me and i um I mean we talk about self care i think day to day now, just kind of in normal society, which is cool. It wasn't the case when I was diagnosed mm-hmm. uh, when I was diagnosed, I was fourteen it was way more about just take your medicines and this is going to be the lot in life you're dealt with yeah uh, it was when i when I turned twenty, I met a holistic psychiatrist and he did the traditional things, but he was really big on the self care angle diet yoga, meditation. Um, even just like positive reinforcement, like choosing things in your life that made you feel lighter and happy and gave you a sense of confidence and worth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's where everything changed. So I've just followed that instinct. And, you know, I use kind of traditional self-care techniques all the time. Uh, mm-hmm. But more than anything, what I look at is being self-aware and how I can care for myself with my life choices in every moment. Okay.
0: Okay. So I know that um with mental health there's a, a whole lot of stigmas that is around here and I and it really bothers me. I, I actually work in the industry of um mental health and one of the things that people really struggle with is the fact that their loved ones have to take so much medication when it's it's just unbelievably ridiculous at times. So was that the case for you at the beginning?
1: Uh, there was a point I think i was i was diagnosed at fourteen. It was when I was sixteen seventeen where I was swallowing fourteen pills a day
0: ah, uh, okay.
1: And it was fascinating because my poor, my poor mother, she's, she was my champion through this whole thing. And she had this huge manila folder that had like all my paperwork and the medicines and the side effects. And she had this crazy chart on the front of it where there were zigzags. And Mm -hmm. I asked her, I'm like, what is this chart? And she said, basically it's every medicine. And then we zag over here to the side effect from that first medicine. And then we zig over here to the new medicine you're put on to counteract the side effects that then creates this thing. And it was amazing because most of my medical care was that it wasn't just the medicines needed for the mood disorder. It was all this other stuff based on the side effects I was on. I was kind of a walking pharmacy, we like to say.
0: Wow, yeah. And and I really it really bothers me because I know a lot of the individuals that I've talked to that have had to take medication or they may currently be on medication. It's like an up and down thing. You're either taking a medication to go up and then that medication doesn't do what it's supposed to do, and then you're slammed back down with another medication, and it it really, the main reason why it kind of bothers me is because it 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 starts off when, like you said, you were age 14, and it's like they just, oh, well, let's try this. Okay, well, they have ADHD, let's try this medication. And they never really pinpoint the exact purpose or the exact reason or the situation is to what's going on with the child. So um, how how was it for your mom as far as having to, you know, determine exactly what the situation is?
1: And that was, I think that's the hardest part is when you start these kids young and, you know, Mm -hmm. I was 14, but it's starting even younger these days. I mean, I've heard horror stories about elementary school kiddos and your brain's still developing, you know what I mean? And I don't think there's a lot of studies about, you add this medicine in here is basically um, there's not a lot of studies out there that actually show prolonged use, the safety and the, efe- um, the efficacy of that. Yeah. And especially with something like bipolar or a bigger mood disorder, like ADHD, you're kind of expected that you're going to be on meds forever to keep you normal, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Um, So it was just kind of an interesting thing. My poor mom and dad, they were really wanting to do the best thing that they could for me. And in their mind, that was trusting the doctors. And then we ran into this one psychiatrist who had me on 14 pills and my mom just had doubt after doubt, after doubt. And she would go and talk to the doctor to no avail. and um, Truly, it wasn't really till I changed tracks when I went to college and met that holistic doctor that everything started to change. Awesome. And it was also kind of fascinating. I've been asked a bunch by different doctors, like, how did you actually um, wean off of the medication? Yeah. And basically, the guy that had worked with me, he's the holistic psychiatrist. As he worked on holistic techniques, self care techniques, building up my self esteem, mm-hmm. all of a sudden I didn't need the social anxiety med because I then felt confident in myself. So they were able to take that away. Okay. Uh, through connecting better to my body, I was able to kind of maintain this you know, not actually dipping into depression and anxiety anymore. So they were able to wean that one. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of fascinating through that work. The more self-care I did, the less I needed those like ancillary medications. Mm-hmm. And then I was only left with the core one. So the side effects went away.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So in your, your um, discovering now, you um, actually end up discovering that you have a gift called empath. Can you give me a little bit more information on that?
1: Sure. And people use a lot of different terms for that. You know, you can talk about being sensitive, you can talk about being empathic. Mm -hmm. My favorite term with that is just being aware, like not just aware of yourself, but aware of other people. Um, It's kind of, it's fascinating because we're all tuned in more than we'd like to realize. It's when Mm -hmm. you walk into a room and all of a sudden your stomach turns over. Yeah. (laughs) You know, you're aware of the energy, you're aware of the dynamic. It's when someone's smiling at you and saying pleasing things, but you get that gut sense that, whoa, something's really off here and they don't like me. Mm -hmm. Um, It's those kind of energies where you're actually really tapped into everything beneath the surface. And a lot of the mental illness that I've seen in myself and also the people that I've worked with, Mm -hmm. it is a deep awareness. It's an empathic ability that they have, but because they don't know, they are aware and sensing and feeling other people, they think it's all them and then it makes them feel unstable or it makes their mood fluctuate or kind of leads down choices where had they had more, more of a sense of self mm-hmm. and tools to know that that's just my awareness of other people. It would have been a lot easier to handle. Okay. Um, so, and, so, and the empath thing, it's fascinating. People look at it like a special skill, which it kind of is, but in my viewpoint, most of us have that ability, um, it's just a matter of those of us who have a bigger ability with it. Uh, sometimes that can look more like a weakness when really, in truth, it's a strength that they have.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, what are the things uh, that you do or suggestions that you offer to individuals that you actually work with? Because you're also a life coach as well. Is that correct? Mm-hmm.
1: That is correct, yeah. So I work with a lot of people who are um, kind of like trying to find their footing, I guess you could say, where they feel knocked about by the environment more so than having their own choice. Uh, My favorite tool for this is from a system called Access Consciousness, Mm -hmm. uh, which is who does it belong to, which basically speaks to the fact that when you're aware, when you're open, when you're receiving other people, 99.9% of the things that are going through your head, the feelings, the emotions, the body sensations actually don't belong to you. They're like information radiating off that person or that situation that you're just aware of.
0: Okay.
1: Okay. And so being able to kind of ask that question of like, well, who does this belong to right now? It allows you to separate yourself a little bit from that intensity and go, oh, wait a second. I'm just aware here. It's Mm -hmm. their anger. It's their upset. It's the environment that I'm in instead of actually thinking that everything is yours and you're messed up in some way. Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm. So you also help other leaders in the world with their mission driven businesses. Where did this love come from and how did you how do you help them?
1: Oh, I think the love of it came from my book. I mean, it was fascinating to turn my personal story, yeah. which had always been kind of this whole stigmatized, shameful thing, like getting the courage to kind of like out it, I guess you could say, um, mm-hmm. because I just kind of like had the mental illness thing. And then the way I fixed it for a lot of years was the perfection thing, which most people do, right? If I'm perfect, and everything is fine in my life, then everything's okay. Yeah. Um, being able to kind of like claim my shadow side or whatever you want to call it and utilize it not just for my own success, but to actually impact other people um, has really been something that sparked something in me in terms of what other leaders would possibly be capable of if they were willing to do the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that you have to share your sob story, but to be able to phrase your own personal experience in a way that impacts the world and creates maybe how you would have rather been treated from the get-go, either than how you were treated. That to me is such an important thing for most of us who are called to help others to do. Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. So in your book, um, you speak about the love of your label and how that limited you. Can you tell me a little bit Mm -hmm. more about that?
1: Yes. Um, I think this is the diagnosis trap. I call it. It's like when you're, (laughs) when you know something, (laughs) when you know something is off and you're, um, you're kind of struggling to find your footing and then you yeah. finally get to the doctor and they say, Hey, this is what you have. And guess what? Here's how I can help you. Yeah. And it's almost this like relief for them. Get go of like, okay, good. At least they know what it is. And there's a way to fix it. That's mm-hmm. what happened to me. I got hopeful at that point. Um, but unfortunately I wasn't just handed a label of bipolar. It was basically this whole characteristic of what my personality would be yeah. red flags in the future things that I would be able to do and things that I wouldn't be able to do. And every single time I went to the doctor, it was more and more and more of that. And before I know it, it was this love-hate relationship of loving it because it let me know someone at least knows what's going on and can help me. But at the same time, fighting against all these different characteristics that you think are you,
0: Mm -hmm. when really
1: it's not, it's just the label you were given. Mm -hmm. But when you kind of fall in love with that label before you know it, all those characteristics, they seep into your subconscious and you actually start creating a lot of that stuff in your life because, you know, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. People live up to the expectations they're given. Mm -hmm. Um, When you're not really given the open exploration of who would you like to be instead you're like this is what you're going to be from here on out, it's extremely limiting yeah um, but the the safety part of it was the love that was really hard to give up you know because if I'm not that then oh my goodness what am I
0: <laughs> right yeah how uh, what, yeah. what label what who am I really is what it yeah. boils
1: down to well I think it's funny because even if you haven't been diagnosed people go through that you know it's yeah. kind of that fear of the unknown and I talk a lot in my work not just about diagnoses but roles and labels that were given like the perfect mom or the person who always succeeds or the one Mm -hmm. who always screws up or Mm -hmm. the shy one because no matter what you put yourself in a box and it's really really hard to change that grooved pattern after a while when you've been defined that Mm -hmm. way
0: yeah yeah Yeah. so I hear you speak a lot about self-reliance what is that and how did you develop
1: it Mm. that self-reliance that's a that's a tricky one i think most of us are looking for more and more of that that's that like i trust me more than i trust you mm. um and i and i think so many of us miss the boat on that big time we're always eyes out on mm. other people um on okay cool they liked my instagram post so therefore i did something correct or <laughs> somebody yeah. chose my business so therefore i'm doing something good or someone praised me our eyes are out constantly just in our society now yeah um, To be able to actually kind of like change that and go, no, I'm actually fulfilled in what I'm doing without the need for that, Mm -hmm. Uh, that to me is that self-reliance. And even having professionals tell you, hey, this is what's going on with you. Here's what's required. Still being on equal footing with them, if not more footing than them to say, this is actually my life and my body.
0: Right. You
1: should know. Yes, and you know what I mean? Kind of like having that conversation of like, this is mine and I still need to be part of the conversation and part of the choice making here. And I think that's really hard when we're in in front of professionals or even other healers of, you know, you don't know me better than I know myself. You have other information and I need Mm -hmm. to receive that information, but I need to be included on equal footing here. That's that reliance thing. Yeah,
0: yeah. And um, going back to when we were, I was talking about Kids, really listening to what your kids are saying when they're telling you how they feel um, at that time, because a lot of times parents will be like, oh, you know, you're just uh, going through a stage or, you know, you're just a kid. They don't really want to, you know, take what they're saying seriously, but it's really important that um, you listen to your kids when they are saying certain things about how they're feeling, um, particularly when it comes to dealing with individuals on social media, because there is that, that always trying to, um, approve, uh get uh, uh, approval from um other individuals at, a, at such a young age and so you know when you're talking about that self reliance it's 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 definitely something that uh, parents need to be aware of
1: And I love the fact that you're bringing up like, start early. And I think that's something that most of us don't get. And if we were able to foster it from a young age, and just like you're saying, actually take the time to go, okay, cool, express yourself, truly what's going on. And asking your kids, even like this empathic thing of like, okay, well, what are you aware of here? Because they're aware of something. And like, for me, when I was itty bitty bitty even before I I had my bipolar issues at 14 Mm -hmm. I would shut down around certain people and no one would believe me they're like you know why don't you like this person I'm like I don't know what it is but something in my belly flips over whenever they're close by yeah and that's a safety thing for a child so if you're not actually listening and allowing them to express it and letting them explore what they're aware of then you're shutting down that capacity you're also shutting down their expression and their ability to really feel self-reliant, and I'm feeling something, therefore it's valid because it's here, Mm -hmm. you know, without having to find a reason or a rationalization for it.
0: Yeah, exactly. Just, Just basically acknowledging the fact that there is something that they're sensing or feeling within themselves, and just then continuing on to explore and have them talk about it more so that you can possibly try to give them a solution or, or help them to work through whatever it is that they're experiencing. But, it, yeah. but the most part, making sure that you acknowledge that they, they are experiencing something is very important. <laughs>
1: yeah, I think it's so interesting, too, because so many of us don't have the language to go with it. Like I was yeah. suicidal. I was I was really, really, really struggling. But in my mind, I didn't really have a problem because I didn't have words to go with it. Mm-hmm. I just felt weird and lost and confused so I didn't speak to anybody because I didn't have the language to go with it. And it's fascinating because during that whole year I was in eighth grade at the time, I had a couple friends who were getting abused at home and in my mind that was a problem. It was a physical issue. There were they were in physical safety ha- hazards. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I actually would take them to the guidance counselor to talk about that. I'm like you need help. Meanwhile, here I am plotting my suicide. But because I didn't have the language for it, I wasn't speaking up for myself or taking myself in. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think there's more conversations and even, you know, parents out there just opening the conversation of like, Hey, if you feel lost, if you feel confused, if you kind of feel a little bit weird and you're not quite sure what's going on, I'm here to listen, even if you don't have the words. Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. Exactly. So if you could pass along one piece of advice, to instill hope in those struggling with their mental wellness or other limitations? What would you say?
1: Well, I'd say there's always more available. Yeah. And I, I think so many of us don't actually hear that ever. Mm. <laughs> or if we hear it, we don't hear it often enough. We kind of go, this is what you are and Stop, and you can really feel your whole life stopping around that thing, mm-hmm. there's actually way more. You're not your diagnosis. You're not your label. You're not even your past upsets. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people will go through a traumatic divorce or something like that and it defines them from here on out. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be that way. There's a way to kind of work past it, um, but you have to like dig for yourself and really build that awareness tool of what have I been aware of all my life? You know, what would actually fulfill my life purpose, like actually getting out there and contributing in your own unique way? And how do you go about that? Mm -hmm. Um, We're kind of in an exciting time where there's a lot of people out there. There's a lot of um, media out there to kind of help you. You just have to find your own path with it, Uh, whatever lights you up or makes you feel kind of interested or relaxed or open. That's Mm -hmm. kind of a guiding North for you. I always tell people that's what you want to follow. Um, If you hear something and it makes you feel heavy or twisted, then that's just probably not the right path for you. So you need to keep exploring.
0: Yeah. yeah. Just use, just feel you're good.
1: <laughs> go mm-hmm. your good. You have to. <laughs> but Definitely. That's the, but that, is that, that is that self-reliance thing though, right? Like yeah. your body talks to you and actually yeah. kind of that in- instinct. And sometimes it's so lightning quick that we discount it. Mm-hmm. Um, don't discount it. Actually lean into it a little bit and explore it more
0: yeah yeah absolutely so do you have any upcoming events or projects in addition to the book that you have out now do you have any like any workshops or any uh speaking engagement engagements that are coming up
1: yeah i have a lot of things coming up i've got kind of awesome. the biggest thing it's my it's my third year anniversary from publishing my book so awesome. um, i'm Yay, I'm celebrating it with a new community online. It's a free resource community with leading-edge resources for mental wellness and life creation. Uh, So it's all the conversations basically around this topic of like, don't stop. There's always more with different tools and techniques to help you get there. Um, So super practical advice. And then live events are going to be kind of spurting off of that as well. Uh, So you can go to my website to find out more information on how to join for free.
0: Sure. And your (laughs) website is?
1: LaurenPolly.com. Okay. Okay.
0: Okay. And um, how can people purchase your book, The Other Side of Bipolar?
1: Uh, the physical book, the audio book, and the e-book are all up on Amazon. And then the physical book is carried on in Target and then a couple other bookstores nationwide. Mm-hmm. Um, they're also in libraries too. If you want to rent it, you can go and ask for them to buy it.
0: Awesome. Awesome. And you're on social media as well?
1: I am Facebook and Instagram. And yeah. then I have a YouTube channel as well. Kind of the, the big three.
0: <laughs> oh, awesome. Okay. Okay. So do you have any last words for our listening audience?
1: I just, you know, I I really, I think that hope is so important. And I think so often hope and kind of this element of self peace, and regardless of what you've been through in your past, what you're dealing with currently, or what you're kind of looking at in your future of like, oh, my goodness, there's no hope, or there is hope, but I'm kind of in maintenance mode. And that's not super exciting. Mm -hmm. You really have to like do whatever it takes just to rekindle that hope. And for me, that's always felt like, that kind of warm, embered embrace of actually feeling cozy and at home. Um, You have to kind of find your own sense of it, and you then have to kind of find the things that are out and about in the world that actually fulfill that and flame it and stoke it and make it grow. Your life, even though that doesn't sound super linear and practical, uh, it's the most practical thing you can actually do to lead your life in a whole new direction. Uh, But again, that finding your self-reliance and that gut instinct that you have to hone just for you. And no one else can really do it for you. That's that's on you.
0: <laughs> that, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Well, Lauren, it has been a pleasure and honor to have you on my show today. Thank you so much for sharing your information. Definitely, you guys get her book, The Other Side of Bipolar. It is on Amazon. And you said you do have an audio ver- uh, version of your book as well. I do. Awesome. Awesome. So get the book, get the information and let's get you motivated. This is Althea with Wove Inspiration's Midweek Motivation. You guys have an awesome day and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to Midweek Motivation on Wove Inspiration. I hope you enjoyed what you heard. If you would like to be a guest on the show, Email your bio and picture to woveinspiration at gmail.com. If you would like to continue the conversation, make a comment, or you have any questions, you can share them on Wove Inspiration's Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. This is your host, Althea Richardson. You're almost there. Keep moving forward.